In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on TuggyNet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here, and I hope everybody's enjoying the last couple of weeks of summer here. I've spoken to several mom entrepreneurs this weekend. (laughs) There's a lot of them, including myself, pulling our hair out, trying to keep our kids busy while we're running our companies. And um, we're all anxiously awaiting the arrival of school this year. So (laughs) with that, I just want to tell the mom entrepreneurs, you're not alone out there. And it's just another couple of weeks. So hang in there. So my business tip of the week is I have this really great business book that I have sitting on my desk and every day I open it up and I just read one of the tips. And the name of the book is The Book of Excellence. It is 236 Habits of Effective Salespeople. And the author is Bird Baggett. It's a fabulous book and it's just one of those things that You just read one sentence, you throw it in the back of your mind, and you mull over it all day long. And they're just helpful tips when you have to get inspired to make those sales calls. So just for an example, one of the tips, it says, always ask for the order. Don't worry about your technique or style. And that's exactly what Lara Galloway, our biz coach, who was our guest last week on Paying It Forward, also said. You can do all the work you want, but if you don't ask for that order, you're not going to get it. So that's my business tip of the week. So with that, I would like to um, introduce you to our guest this week. His name is Bill Waitsman. He's a co-founder and managing partner of the Harvest Group. Now, I just met Bill. Lots of you know that I went to the NACDS show about a month ago to help promote my um, Glovius product. And I got to meet wonderful people there, including Bill. And Bill has an incredible company. It's called The Harvest Group. And what they do is they help small businesses like myself help bring their products to the market. Because lots of times it can be so overwhelming. And, you know, we always talk about doing what you know best and outsourcing those things that you really could use help with in order to make your business successful. And with that, I'm going to introduce you to Bill Waitsman, and he's going to tell us more about who the Harvest Group is and exactly what you do for your clients. So with that, welcome Bill Waitsman to Paying It Forward. Thank you, Josephine. It's great to be with you. Um, 
it was a pleasure to uh, to meet you out at the NACDS conference, and and uh, we're still real excited about the uh, the Glovies product that that your company is is uh, uh, in the process of launching, and uh, and hopefully joining you in in, uh, in that quest. Uh, let me start with with just uh, my background. Uh, for for the first 14 years of my career, I was with Procter and Gamble, and spent most of that time in the sales function. Uh, did uh, various assignments. Um, uh, throughout it, throughout the uh, food drug mass uh, channels and uh, and in different different markets across the country and uh, my last assignment was um, working with new business development and acquisitions and as you as uh, most of you know Procter and Gamble is, is a very large corporation um, and uh, uh, does you know billions of dollars of business uh, both in the US and globally and because of that, Working in an organization that size, uh, as I took on my last assignment, um, uh, what I found is I had the opportunity to work with smaller companies that Procter & Gamble was acquiring. And that really opened my eyes to a whole new world in terms of the challenges that uh, small businesses deal with, but also the rewards that small business opportunities bring. And one of the big rewards that, that I could see is just the opportunity to uh, to use really all of my God-given skills uh, versus just the ones that really matched up with the particular role that I played within a larger, larger organization. And so uh, that really got me excited to, uh, to, to, to be more involved with, uh, with small business. And in 2001, uh, I hung up the, uh, uh, the corporate shoes and, and uh, launched out uh, a consulting business and uh, uh, started a company called the North Star Partnering Group with with two of my uh, uh, P&G colleagues, and uh, we launched that company together and and really did two things. We did sales and we did marketing. We kind of set up two different um, aspects of the company to to go and do that. After five years of uh, of running North Star Partnering Group with uh, with my two partners, uh, made the decision in 2006. Uh, to leave Northstar and start a company called the Harvest Group, which is what I do now. And uh, the Harvest Group is set up primarily as a sales-focused company, um, but we have set up partnerships uh, with with other uh, suppliers that, that work with startup companies like us that really bring core competencies that we don't have. For example, uh, whether that's trade marketing, uh, or whether that's uh, supply chain logistics, or uh, there's a number of different uh, uh, groups that we work with that we'll pull in their expertise so that together, collectively, uh, we, we can help small companies uh, take their products to market. I mean, I think this is just really, you have such a great niche there because, Bill, I'll tell you, I had absolutely no experience bringing a product to market, and there are so many mom entrepreneurs and you know, my audience out there today is mostly mom entrepreneurs. So I know we have a, a big group of moms listening out there trying to learn the steps on how you really bring a product to market because a lot of us moms came up with our products just out of necessity. And it's kind of funny, Bill, because here we go. We come up with this product. We do our market research. Everybody says, oh, yes, I would definitely buy your product. There's demand for your product. We go out, we solve a solution to a problem. We realize that the problem is not just ours, it's millions of moms out there. 
So then we come up with a product and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we realize, oh my goodness, I don't know retail and somebody's mm. got to teach me retail or I've got to figure this out on my own. And that's why I think a group like yours, a company like yours, uh, comes into play to so many people out there. So I, I just think you've got a great niche market. Well, it's, yeah. it, we've, we've certainly been able to stay busy in a challenging economy. Uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, the one thing that's interesting to me as you talk about uh, uh, mom entrepreneurs is they really have a competitive advantage uh, in launching products into the marketplace because, for example, we do uh, quite a bit of work with, uh, with Walmart and um, uh, the, the, the largest retailer in the U.S. and worldwide, mm-hmm. and they have statistics that show that 75 to 80% of their purchases are actually made um, by, by, by women between the ages of 25 and 50 years old. And, uh, and a majority of those are moms. And so they're already connected with uh, the end user and the shopper and purchaser of uh, a majority of products that are sold in retail stores today. So there, there's no question that is a competitive advantage. Yeah, I love I love that concept, Bill, because as a mom, we kind of, we're living the life, and we know what we want, therefore we know what other moms want, so it goes mm-hmm. hand in hand and into just exactly what you said. We've seen a number on, uh, in our business, we've seen a number of small, small startups that are, uh, that are run by moms, that when they get in front of the customer, uh, the customer being the retailer, uh, granted, they may not know the retail business uh, that well. They may not have had the uh, experience in the retail business. But the the buyers at those retailers have tremendous respect uh, for what moms have to say. And and one of the things that we always say in our business is um, a lot of times buyers can be very difficult, and they they won't they're not going to listen to a lot of your you know sales presentation. But at the end of the day. They will always listen to their customer, which in most cases is mom. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. You that's know, Josephine, a, a couple of things mm-hmm. that um, you mentioned in terms of, uh, of doing the consumer research and, and basically in, ensuring that the demand is there for the product before taking it to the market. Uh, the way we look at, at, at bucketing kind of the, the four key areas to, to taking a product to market one is the end user and knowing who the end user is because they're the ones that experience the product. And, but knowing the difference between the end user and the purchaser because in many cases they're not the same person. For example, we, we, uh, we've worked with, with a number of baby companies. Well, the baby is actually the end user. They're the ones that experience the product. But mom is the one that's making the purchase. Mom is the one that we're marketing towards. And so understanding the difference between those two, but actually having the data to really support uh, how, uh, how we're going to reach both of, those, um, uh, you know, both of those groups. And then additionally, you have the, uh, the customer, the retailer, um, mm-hmm. that really understanding how the retailer fits in. And that's really the role that, I, that, that our company plays in terms of uh, our partnership with, uh, with manufacturers. And then the final piece that really cuts across all three of those buckets, the end user, the purchaser, and the retailer, is understanding competition. And uh-huh. what, is, what is your competition's position in each one of those three areas today? 
and how are you going to have a competitive advantage to win long term? Yeah, I think that these are great points. And, you know, the one really important point that I've learned about just recently, Bill, is the fact that you can go out and you can do a sales presentation. You know, a lot of mom entrepreneurs, we do our own presentations. But I'm realizing that a company like yours approaches the buyers in a very different way. And you have different information that you put in your presentation to buyers. And I think that's so crucial and so important because that was a lesson I just recently learned. But, you know, we're coming up on a break right now. And, Bill, we'll get back to more of that when we come back. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire Inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central. Part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. We have Bill Waitsman from The Harvest Group helping us with lots of business tips today. So, Bill, we were just discussing the fact that I had a revelation within the past couple of weeks about the fact that I always did a really good job presenting my Glovey's product because as the inventor of the product, I do portray lots of enthusiasm 
for the product, but yes, I you do. realize. Oh, thanks, Bill. But I realize that you know what? As good as I might be giving a presentation face to face, I realize that it's not such a bad thing to turn to people who really have experience dealing with buyers because. Oh my goodness, Bill, those buyers. They, the only thing I'm going to say is they are a, a unique set of people. And um, I, sometimes I just want to pull my hair out, but I sit there and I say to myself, you know what? Just put yourself in their shoes. Just imagine what they are going through. So here they go to a big conference like we just went to. They come home. Can you imagine the packages and packages that load their desk, that they have to go through all this stuff, that they have to take a chance on a brand new product out there. So I know that they have a lot on their plate. But sometimes I think it's best to really spend time with somebody like the Harvest Group to say, you know what, this is a presentation I have, but you guys actually know precisely what they're looking for. They don't have a lot of time. So I really have learned they don't want to know about the fluff. They already get it. What exactly are those buyers looking for? Can you help us out there? I hope so. Uh, first thing I would tell you is uh, buyers are looking for different things at different retailers. And that's part of the reason in our business that uh, there are so many companies that will invest, whether it's the large companies like Procter & Gamble or J&J or uh, Kellogg's, where they, they will build a local, what they call a customer team, in the same market as the retailer. And the reason they do that is because the individuals that manage their business get very close with that retailer and understand what those retailers' needs are, uh, how they look at their financials, uh, what type of um, uh, consumers shop their store, and they, they basically know the needs of that retailer inside and out. I will tell you that the needs of the retailers really vary uh, certainly by channel, as you look at food retailers versus department stores versus mass retailers, club retailers, drug retailers, et cetera. But there's also differences between a Walgreens and a CVS in terms of how they look at their business. Uh, they would, they would, the two, those, you know, you take two retailers like that, they would, they would tell you there are uh, important differences between the consumers that shop their store. So understanding the differences in terms of what retailers are looking for and, and how they how, how they look at their shopper base, uh, how they manage their business, how they measure their their, uh, uh, their their business results and so forth is very important. And that's where, as a manufacturer, it's very important to, at some point, uh, figure out who the right partner is, particularly with larger retailers. Uh, it's not to say you need to have a different person that you're working with for every small retailer that's out there, but as you start talking about the Walmarts versus the Target versus the uh, you know, a Walgreens, you're going to need to get specific expertise by retailer. Okay. As, as you, you were asking about what buyers are looking for, uh, one thing I think that's really important, and this really shouldn't be lost, buyers love to hear an entrepreneur's passion for their product, uh, and that should never be lost. Um, one of the things that we do with, with the companies that we work with is we insist that the, the owner or a representative from the company who is, just has a a passion uh, for the product, that they present the product um, in terms of how the product works for the end user. And, uh, you know, the, and, and, and most buyers actually really enjoy hearing 
you know, I started this product out of my garage, and my neighbors really liked it, and then we sold it at the local store. And those kinds of stories most buyers really enjoy. And so I think uh-huh. it's important that that doesn't get lost. The key is you can't stop once you've basically gone through and talked all the features and benefits of the product and how there's pent-up demand in the marketplace for the product. The most important thing uh, to really close the sale, as you talked about at the beginning of the show, how you ask for the order is there's a huge gap between talking the product and the features and benefits of the product, and then how do you make that product work for that retailer? Uh, okay. And that, that, that includes everything from how you're going to price it, how you're going to promote it, what does the packaging look like, and how does the packaging work with their, their schematics in store. Uh, there's just a number of things. Logistically, how does the supply chain work uh, for that retailer? And as you lay out a plan with the retailer, so you've gone through and you've talked the product and, and uh, really gotten the retailer convinced that, hey, there, there are customers who are consumers who will love this product. That's, we have data to support that. The second part of the story is, here's our plan for how we can make this work with you. And uh, and, and that needs to be very customized by retailer, and, and that's the key to closing the sale. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's great. I think um, somebody just typed in another question, Bill. I have some listeners out there that can go in and, you know, type in questions. And um, one question that just came through had... Um, is saying, how can you protect yourself from getting getting taken advantage of by the orderers? Like, they make you cut your price for their benefit. Like, a lot of times with the retailers, sometimes I just wonder, how is the manufacturer really supposed to make money on their product if there are all these other fees associated with bringing your product to market? Well, I think that that's... Uh, certainly an area where a number of particularly entrepreneur startups uh, find themselves in a lot of trouble because they um, uh, they really haven't built in all of the, uh, the the added costs that that you know come up before you actually get the product to market and you get paid by the customer by the retailer. Yeah, um, Bill. Do you know what one of the problems is? I think some people, including myself. There are so many hidden costs to bringing your product to market that we just, you know, didn't know about. And somebody like yourself who has the expertise really kind of helps out in that regard. No question. There's a number of line items, everything from setting aside uh, funding to cover you know, damaged product to, uh, to in-store marketing, things like displays and uh, special packaging or in-store promotions to uh, and, and typically, uh, small companies are going to have a have a line item for marketing, and they're going to have a line item for shipping and those kinds of things. But they don't have the line items for the cost of doing business with the customer. And again, that's another area that really varies by retailer. I mean, there are retailers that charge ten, fifteen thousand dollars per SKU for what they call slotting allowances, uh, and then there are other retailers that don't charge slotting allowances. And having all of having all of that figured out ahead of time before, or have, having all that baked into the cost of goods is critical mm-hmm. up front. Well, you know, Bill, you know what really gets to me? What about those buyback policies? It's like, finally you get the order, you get your product on the shelf, and then all of a sudden your back is up against a wall that every, 
every minute I think counts that your product is on the shelf because you know what? You only have a certain amount of time. If your product doesn't come off, all of a sudden you're, you're being charged buyback, you know, fees. My advice is don't do it. Um, with, with larger retailers, again, this is an area where it's sink or swim. And there's, there's, um, we, we've seen a number of small companies just on our side, and I'll share one story with you. There was a startup company uh, that was in the cleaning business uh, that we launched. Uh, we actually launched into Walmart. Walmart is the first retailer that they went into, and Walmart stocked their product uh, in, you know, all 3,500 stores, and there was, uh, uh, I believe it was 12 SKUs, and it was a significant size business overnight. And part of the corporate agreement that that you that you uh, uh, they, they call them a supplier agreement uh, that retailers have their companies their suppliers sign is it, w- within that agreement it has things like buyback and what percentages what percent of of cost of goods are you going to pay for damages and all those kinds of things and and one of the things that that we really counsel them is if they're going to make you buy back the product that doesn't sell don't do business with them. Uh, they're too large of a retailer, and if all uh-huh. the product goes in, and you have to you have to account for worst case scenario, the product doesn't sell at all. Um, you're you're going to go out of business, and so by not signing that or not checking that box on the supplier agreement, then then uh, now the retailer may come back and say, well, "We're sorry, we can't do business with you if you're not going to sign on to this," and uh-huh. it may be the smartest thing to do to walk away from that and build with smaller retailers but, uh, until you basically have a base strong enough that. Uh, you're, you're not taking as big of a risk, uh, but in that case, they they the, the retailer ended up discontinuing all the products because they didn't sell well enough. But the retailer sold through every last case. It didn't cost the company anything. Oh wow! See, that's great. That's great. I have to tell you, Walmart actually spent a lot of time with me at the NACDS show, and what a nice guy he was. He sat down and he had said to me, with the Glovies product, because it's such a unique concept, mm-hmm. he said, I really should try to get traction out there with the smaller stores first, show the pent-up demand, and then go to Walmart. Because so many of the moms shop at Walmart, it would be great for them to see it someplace else, and then it'll just become an automatic thing that they're shopping in Walmart for other things, and then they'll pick up the Glovies. So... That's that exactly was, right. You know, it's all about traction. At that and Josephine, point. I'll tell you, Walmart gets such a bad rap in, in the business community and particularly in the supplier community. We talk to suppliers all the time that say they're afraid to do business with Walmart and Walmart's, you know, the uh, uh, the, the, the big bad gorilla that's going to take us down and so we're trying to avoid Walmart. And that's just not true. Walmart's actually one of the best retailers to do business with, uh, I believe, in, 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 uh, in the country. And um, uh, they... they they always pay on time. They're very straightforward, and they do what they tell you they're going to do. The the, um, the 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 place that most smaller companies get into trouble is they buy it off more than they can chew with Walmart. And obviously, they're in business, you know, just like everyone else to make money. And um, uh, where where uh, suppliers get into trouble is they get very excited when 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 they can convince Walmart to buy their product, and they they put it across 3,500, 4,000 stores. And then the product doesn't sell. And then, then Walmart's issue is the company doesn't have the financials to really support uh, support the, the, the product from a marketing standpoint. And then that buyer is stuck with products on his shelf that are taking up valuable real estate that don't sell. Oh, yeah. We know that they don't like that. But with that thought, we're going to take a quick break, Bill. 
And we will be back in just a few moments. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, part of the Her Insight Network. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine again, and I'm so happy with my guest today. It's Bill Wadesman from the Harvest Group. So, Number one, before we get started with our third segment of Paying It Forward, um, Bill, I'd like to give you the opportunity to let my listeners know exactly how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to give you a call to see if maybe you might be able to help bring their product to market. Uh, yes. Uh, first off, we have a website. It's uh, uh, theharvestgroup.com, and um, uh, the... the uh, that's probably the best place to start, and uh, we have uh, on our website we have uh, uh, email address that that can get us connected. Okay, that's that's great. All right, so we're going to move right along because you're full of information here, Bill, and we <laughs> really are picking your brains. So, um, all right, I know that you have a lot of different kind of clients, and I know that it's a very broad question. I'm going to ask you. But if you could just keep your answers broad so we can kind of get a big picture and get grasp our hands around, you know, the Harvest Group and how it could really help small businesses like myself, that would be great. So my question to you, Bill, is, so here a mom entrepreneur is out there. She comes up with a great product, and then she calls the Harvest Group. What are the exact steps that are taken, you know, what do you guys do? What does a person like myself, what do we have to do to prepare ourselves to even come to you? So maybe you could just take us on the step-by-step on, you know, how the whole process works. Okay. Love to. First off, I, I want to uh, 
correct myself, uh, our website is harvestg.com, not theharvestgroup.com. So it's harvestg.com. And uh, the, what we do, Josephine, the first thing is, is for uh, startup-type companies, uh, we just ask that they send uh, the product into, into our office um, as well as any you know, presentation, that type of thing. One of the first things that, that we do is once we receive the product, we'll, we'll uh, uh, get, get on the phone with, with, the, uh, with the respective company and have them talk us through the product features and benefits and help us just understand uh, the product and the role of the product. Uh, we do some in-house testing uh, amongst our staff uh, to, to really just assess what we feel like are the, are the, right, the right place for uh, this particular product to start. From, from a retail standpoint. Uh, I would tell you that um, probably 75% of the time of the products that we see, uh, Walmart is not necessarily uh, our recommendation in terms of the starting place because we know that the, the feedback in, in most cases is going to be very similar to what you got at the show in San Diego, which is take it to, the, take it to um, you know, smaller markets, smaller retailers, Build demand, build learning, build your uh, uh, your infrastructure to launch the product to market before uh, trying to launch into into a Walmart stores kind of situation, and that's really where our company, uh, because of our network within the industry, uh, typically we can connect them with with some of our sister companies around the country. That uh, depending on what type of product and, and what type of uh, retail channel. Uh, we can get them connected with with the, uh, the the proper sales organization that can partner up with them to get them started. Okay, so you're actually setting the um, the manufacturer up with sales people who are actually going to go out and help sell their product. Is that correct? That's correct, and it's now. Uh, uh, Josephine, part of our assessment is, uh, I mean, just to be honest, there's. There's as many products that we see that that you know we'll, we'll give our our advice, um, but uh, uh, we we don't necessarily have have a next step solution for for those respective companies. We'll give our advice and then they'll uh, they they can move on. Um, but um, for the ones that that we see the product and, and there there have been some that we've actually looked at said this product really fits a specific. Uh, retailer need where within a category that that is uh, we understand the the the, uh, uh, the strategic direction that that retailer is taking in the specific category that 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 product plays in and uh, uh, for example uh, beauty care we work with a number of beauty care companies that have hair and skin products that um, you know have may have anti-aging properties for example uh, that's been a very strategic growth area for uh, retailers like Walmart and uh, we, we may look at a product line like that, and if, it's, if, if it has the appropriate funding, which is a critical, critical component in terms of working with the larger retailers, if it's well-funded, uh, uh, at the end of that assessment, we may, we may come back to them and say, okay, we want to uh, partner with you, work with you, and uh, here's what you know, a 6-, 12-, 18-month plan would look like and how we would, how we would recommend taking you to uh, different retailers. Okay. All right. That sounds great. So another, uh, another question just came in, Bill. This is from a Jill. Jill asks, how 
how does he know if a product is worthwhile? I think it goes back to um, what you were saying, that you first start out with the employees in the company and test the product out probably on their family and friends. Is that right? Uh, that's right. And I, I'll also say that uh, we're quick to tell uh, the companies that we talk to, we're far from perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't always make the right call. And, and just because we assess the product and say it's not necessarily a fit for our company and or the retailers that we're working with does not mean the product's not going to be successful by any means. Um, okay. I, I, I can't think of a product that we saw that I said, this product's just a bad idea. Um, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know that I've ever met a product I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but but um, it's, more of, it's more a matter of we don't, we don't want to take their time and their money uh, if, if we're not truly going to be able to help them. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's more the decision that we have to make. Were there any real products that came through that you said, oh, this looks like a pretty good product, let's see what we can do, and then boom, it was like a huge hit? Uh, yes, there has, there has been, uh, for sure. Um, um, uh, one, of the, one of the product lines that comes to mind is, is a... Uh, uh, a company called Genesis Today that's out of Austin, Texas, and uh, they manufacture uh, super fruit uh, juices, acai, um, goji, and uh, noni, mangosteen, and so forth. And uh, they'd, they'd always done business in the uh, Whole Foods natural channel, and we started working together about three years ago, and they just have an absolutely fabulous product. Um, I mean, it's it's life-changing in terms of... I, I started taking the uh, the super fruit regimen and uh, was able to just pretty much take, vi- take, take vitamin supplements out of my life and just, just take these supplements, and our staff thought it was fabulous. Well, at the same time, health and wellness is a very strategic growth area for, for most retailers right now, and uh, Walmart is certainly one of them. And we were able to get Genesis today to partner up with key health and wellness um, uh, uh, management at, at uh, Walmart and other key retailers. And uh, uh, it's, it's something that's just really taken off. Uh, the business has grown significantly. Consumer reception has been terrific. And, you know, they've grown from having, you know, uh, launching six items initially to uh, um, 20-something items today. Oh, wow. And it's, and it's it doing quite well. And it happened quickly, huh? It did. It did. And that, that was a challenge for them. They're, they're, they're a, you know, mid-sized company, uh, you know, part of the Fortune 500 small small companies, fast growing small companies, and uh, but still, it was a tremendous challenge for uh, a company of that size to grow at that pace. Yeah, well, I love the fact that they had the Harvest Group to kind of help them manage that growth because a lot of times, I'm not quite sure. I mean, a business could go out of business. Literally, a company could fold if they grow too fast. So it's probably great that they have somebody like you guys kind of leading the way for them. So I think that that's great. And you know what, Bill, you you did mention something quite interesting. It's all about the health and wellness. I mean, I see it right across the board. You can't walk into a drugstore nowadays without them having a health and wellness program. And it's fascinating to me that the fact that we are in a recession I think we're still in the recession. The fact mm-hmm. that these drugstores and pharmacies out there are all coming up with these special programs because they're looking at the consumer saying, you know, 
We better start thinking about preventative care because if you only have X dollars, you know, as, as income, you know, you don't want to be spending it on medical bills. So I think it all kind of makes sense. It's just an inter- interesting concept of how society changes, you know, with the program, you know. No question. And retailers really want to be the primary health provider for, for their, their shoppers. And there's no, no uh, better way to, uh, to get to the heart of their consumer, no pun intended. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. So I'm going to switch gears here just a little because, Bill, I mean, I just, I'm so fascinated with how much you pay it forward. And I know that you have been an incredible mentor to so many people out there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you pay it forward and how that whole mentoring program had started? Uh, certainly. Um, first off, um when, when we set, when we launched the Harvest Group four years ago, uh, we set our mission uh, to glorify God by growing business and growing people. And one of the things that we learned uh, in doing that, and, and I, I really believe that initially our mission was about growing our business and growing our people. And the thing that we've learned over the last four years is it's really become more about growing uh, our customers' businesses. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is, is in since 2001 and leaving P&G and working with small businesses and helping them grow their business, uh, five of the small companies that, uh, that we have directly worked with uh, as a result of the work that we've done, uh, they've gone on and achieved their exit strategy of selling their company and oh, wow. achieving their financial goals. Um, we quickly had to scramble and kind of reassess our business model just a little bit to say uh, that that's not necessarily a great thing for us unless we really have ownership, but, but that's part of paying it forward. Um, sure. Certainly we have some, some great referrals out there because of that, but, but nonetheless, that's, that's been a, a key learning for us is uh, take our eyes beyond just uh, our company and how can we truly grow uh, the companies that we're working with and working for as well as growing their people. And that's been an interesting one for us because one of our core, um, um, one of our core values is, is building relationships. And again, initially, when we put that as a core value, it was all about building relationships within our organization. We have a 25-person organization based here in Bentonville, Arkansas, and all working out of the same office. And so our intention was we really want to be a, a, a family-centric company and a company that uh, goes well beyond just our, our work life. And what we've, what we've been able to accomplish really in the last, um, last couple of years is those relationships have really extended to, uh, to our customers and our clients to where uh, we're involved with, with their lives beyond just business. Uh, well, I love the fact that you do that and you pay it forward so well. But with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the last segment of Paying It Forward. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on toginet.com. Exploring the world from the kitchen counter, it's Kitchen Chat with Margaret McSweeney. Fridays at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com, part of the Her Insight Network. 
Margaret is a busy mom, an accomplished writer, a former banker, and a woman with a heart for charity. Margaret believes the kitchen is more than just the heart of the home. It's the heart of the world, and food is the universal language. Join Margaret each Friday at her kitchen counter as she chats with authors, chefs, doctors, bankers, publishers, artists, and many other interesting people who will not only share what's going on in their lives and professions, but who also will share their favorite recipes. Now, being an adult orphan has touched and changed Margaret in ways beyond measure, yet she turned it into something positive with Pearl Girls. For more information on Margaret and her passion for cooking and charity, check out her website, margaretmcsweeney.com, and her blog, From Finance to Fiction, at blogspot.com. Come hungry for more than just food. It's food for the soul. Fridays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. It's Kitchen Chat with Margaret McSweeney. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it at no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Caldwell and Corey Caldwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the green with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. So we're on our last segment. So um, we're continuing to pick the wonderful brain of Bill Waitsman from the Harvest Group. And there were two areas that we kind of, it's my fault, Bill, because I tend to jump around a little with my interviews, but I apologize. It's all about getting that information out quick. So there's two areas I would love to talk about. Um, Investors, like what is a small company to do if they finally realize like, oh my gosh, I needed a lot more money than I ever imagined. What are the next steps? How does somebody go out and get investors? Well, it's interesting. Um, I will tell you that we are a service company, and and there's such a big difference between service companies and product uh, manufacturing or product development companies. Uh, as uh, I'll just speak for a minute about our company. As a service company, uh, we really had to make the decision, do we want to bring investors in or do we want to self-fund? And certainly it's we, we've made the decision that we're going to self-fund our business, and that's uh, one of our greatest challenges as a result of that is, is managing cash flow and, and, and working through that. And, and so uh, our banking relationships have become extremely important. But most of the customers that we work with, our clients, are, are product manufacturing companies. And as a, as a product manufacturer, um, it, we, we've come across very few uh, that – are in a position to self-fund the business. And, and even those that do, it's probably not the best business decision to do that. So as they go out and, and get investors to uh, uh, come alongside them and partner in their business, um, I, I think the first thing I would say is that with the companies that we've worked with, 
that are just starting out. Uh, they've got a great product, and now they're trying to figure out how they can mass produce the product and, and, and take it to market, but they really don't have the investment partner that they need. Um, we found that it's, it's really uh, the whole investment piece is all about networking. Um, it's not about cold calling at all. Um, it's, it is such a challenge. Uh, we've worked with companies that have gone out and done you know, cold calling presentations and so forth, and it's so much more work. And at the end of the day, it really boils down to trust and relationships, and, and, uh, and that's where the, the networking piece is just so critical. So that's, that, to me, is the starting point. Um, as, as you're looking at investors, uh, what we have seen with our investment uh, partners that we do work with, and again, the, the partnership that we have with investors is for them to connect us with, with startup businesses. But as, as, uh, as I've talked with investors, there's really two things uh, that they want to invest their money in, and I think this is really important. It's they, they want to invest in making product or they want to invest in selling product. That's it. That, they don't want their money to go anywhere else. And uh, far too often, um, the uh, in, in putting together a business plan, uh, so much of the investment dollar is going towards overhead, and that is just not where uh, most investors are going to be comfortable uh, putting their money. When I say making product, it's cost of goods, it's the raw materials, it's paying for production, and then uh, in terms of selling the product, um, it's it's going to be... Um, uh, the, the manufacturing side, the retailer cost, this really gets into the, uh, the retailer customer marketing uh, side of it because, again, most retailers are going to say, you need to set aside 15 to 20% of your cost of goods to market your product in my stores. Well, if you take a big retailer, that can end up being, you know, millions of dollars. And that's, that's a key area that most investors are, are more than willing to invest. So, so making product and selling product are the two key things that, that they're going to be looking for. Yeah, that is, that's great. That makes me feel really good, Bill, because it kind of tells me that in the five years that I've been doing my business as a solo mom entrepreneur is that... Um, I feel like I, I made the right choices along the along the way, which is good to know. But I have to tell you that fifteen to twenty percent of cost of goods sold uh, to put toward marketing. I have to tell you that was surprising to me. I never imagined that these companies would want you to invest that much money in marketing. Well, that and, and I would tell you that 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 marketing goes to cover a lot of things. Uh, everything from price reductions to ad- advertising, print advertising, uh, to um, uh, uh, the development of, of in-store uh, display-type vehicles that, that you use to display your product in-store. And all those things can add up, add up pretty quickly. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for giving us so much knowledge about that. I thought that was really, really great. And now we know what the investors really want to sink their money into. So, um, okay, so that's great. Now, how about branding products? Can you just give us a little insight on that, Bill? That was the only other topic I felt that we wanted to cover and we didn't get a chance to. Sure. Um, well, um, I, I think the, the thing that we've learned uh, is not all products need to be branded. Um, and... Um, uh, one of the one of the first kind of decision uh, matrix that we look at as 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 we consider a product and whether or not it should be branded or not 
is what is what is the uh, the position of the um, of the product with the consumer? Is it a value product? Is 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 the main feature benefit of this product the fact that it's going to cost less and it's going to bring um, you know value to the consumer in that respect, or is it really around technology um, and or you know a, a service type thing? And so if it's if it's um, if it really gets back to well it's a better product then branding becomes really important. If it's about value, then branding tends not to be as important. And um, uh, if if it is about value and you're not going to brand it, what we found, found is that it either leads you down a private label path, which is a, a growing emerging business with the, uh, um, with the economy the way it is today. But one of the things I would just mention about the private label piece, just as an aside, is that has become one of the most competitive businesses to enter into because of the global economy. And uh, we come across so many companies that want to develop private label product. And I will tell you, as a whole, this is a broad statement, but as a whole, it is more difficult to bring private label product to market than it is to bring branded product to market. Um, And that that wasn't the case five years ago. Wow. So, Bill, there's a lot of people, a lot of listeners out there that might not know the difference between private label and branding. Can you answer that question? Sure. Private label will be like a store brand. Uh, okay. Most retailers have their own store brand. Uh, you know, Walmart's is great value, for example. Um, and um, but anyway, that, that's 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 private label. A brand is going to be your own brand that you own that is trademarked. And uh, you know, obviously, brands like uh, Tide laundry detergent or uh, Crest toothpaste or a um, Genesis Today. Uh, Superfruit juice, those are all brands. Okay. So my question to you, Bill, and this is just something that um, somebody had brought up to me a while ago. So I I am the manufacturer of a disposable sanitary hand cover, and my product is called Glovies. So the question is, I have a branded product called Glovies. Would I ever be in the opportunity? Would I ever have the chance or would I ever want to approach a retailer and say to them, would you like to private label my product, put your name on a disposable sanitary hand cover, and would we ever do the two at the same time? Would we ever offer a private label and a branded label? How's that for a question? No, it's a great question. The The first question is, should you private label it? And if you're, if you're going in and you're creating a category, as you are with the Glovies product, so the category really doesn't exist today. Uh, I mean, you could say it's an offshoot of hand sanitation, but there's not a product like it on the marketplace today. It's too great of an opportunity for you to make your brand name associated with that category. So the same way Kleenex is for facial tissue, uh, Kleenex Almost people associate Kleenex with they, they don't ask for facial tissue they ask for a Kleenex. That's one of the best branded situations you could come across. Well, obviously the hope for you would be that you know in ten years they you know moms are asking for a Glovies, and, right. and that that because that brand is the category. And so in your case, absolutely, I would go towards branded because you're bringing you're you're bringing again you're bringing technology and you're bringing product development into the category. It's not about value. Uh, as much, or it's not about price. Um, 
and and typically the the, the price scenarios are going to be one where there's there's a manufacturing competitive advantage in a well developed category. Now, if the uh, the big benefit, obviously, is if you go down the branding path, is you're building equity, and so you're building a brand that you can later sell that has value, and uh, and and as you build a brand uh, that consumers are going to associate with the usage of that product, then you're really in control as you go to retailers going forward, and that they need your brand. They can go develop a, a Glovies type product and just import it and do it cheap and do it as a private label on the shelf, but the consumers now are looking for Glovies because you've developed that brand name in their mind. And so that, that has great value for you. Well, that's that was a great personal uh, answer for me, and I, I hope other people are going to learn from that too, and I'm sure they will. But, Bill, the time is running out on us quickly here. We have about a minute and a half left, and my last question to you is, can you give us a share with us the best piece of business advice you ever received? Uh, certainly. Before, before I, shortly after I left left uh, the corporate world and started my own business, uh, it was a surprising question that was asked to me, and it seemed so simple, but but yet it really resonated and continues to. Which is, you have to know who's going to pay real money for your product or service before you launch out, and you have to have that in hand. And um, uh, basically, it's it's you have to have a customer in place that's willing to um, truly pay money for the product or service that you're going to offer. And so often, I think we go into business with uh, a great idea around a product or a service, uh, but don't really know for sure that consumers at the end of the day are going to be willing to pay for it. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice because sometimes, no matter how good a product is, uh, somebody's got to pay for it, and you have to be compensated for your time. But with that, gosh, we only have like 20 seconds left. And, Bill, I just want to say I so thoroughly enjoyed interviewing you today. I thought you did an amazing job, and I feel that, you. that you've just given my listeners some incredible advice and business tips today. So, once again, everyone, Bill's website is www.harvestg.com. So if you have any questions, please get in touch with the Harvest Group. Thanks again, Bill, and Thank we'll you, see Josephine. you again. Thank you. We'll see have you again day. on YouTube on Paying It Forward. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Toginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons learned,